you guys. Welcome to another podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Cornwell, and I have a special guest with me today. I got my brother in Christ, Jordan, here. Um, I met Jordan, I don't know, man, how long ago was it? It's about seven months, Seven I guess. months ago? Yeah, yeah. It's been, it's, it has been a short stint, but I immediately fell in love with this guy. Um, he came to my church, and he shared an awesome testimony, and it really spoke highly to me in the service. I just wanted to sit there and cry for both of us when you were talking about it, because it really, it really resonated with me when you were talking. So um, I wanted to bring Jordan on this podcast the minute that I created the podcast. I just wanted to get a couple episodes out there and, and find the right time in our schedules to bring it out. So Jordan, how are you, sir? Man, I'm great. Uh, I'm Jordan, and uh, I appreciate you, Wayne, for having me on, man. Yeah, this no is, problem. Uh, this is awesome. I've never been on a podcast before. I've uh, had a couple opportunities to share some things about about my past and, you know, some of the things that uh, the Lord has brought me through. But, uh, man, nothing like this. And so um, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, just fellowship and spend some time with you today, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, no problem. No problem. I... I can tell you, we're not the Joe Rogan experience, uh, but we're not trying to be the Joe Rogan experience, right? Um, I just wish that I could have a little bit of the financial backing that he does uh, to bring on some more guest speakers, Uh, because like I told you last week, we talked about two hours of superheroes that, sorry, the the podcast you listened to before this one says that we're going to lay an episode down about that next. We're actually not. Jordan's going to fall in line first because I want to get this one out before a superhero podcast, which let me tell you, just a little sneak peek. We dive deep into the superhero universe. (laughs) We nerd out a little bit too much on that one. So, um, but really I, you know, I wanted to bring Jordan on here so we could talk about your testimony, kind of where you've been, where you're at and where you're going you know, three phases of life, right? We're always, we're always in that mode, just constantly going down our, our life's journey. And some people never get out of the, where you have you been part. Hmm. And, you know, part of your story was, I got out of that. I'm, I'm here in the now, here's what I'm doing. And I'm laying grounds for the future. And I think that portion was really, it was light at the end of the tunnel for me. Because I really never considered myself out of the where have you been part. I've always kind of laid, you know, kind of lived my life. What I've done, what have I done in the past, right? Well, the past is the past. Mm. The present is now and the future is what you need to, you know, achieve. So tell me, lay it down, brother. Tell me your, tell me your testimony. What you got, what you got for the listeners out there? Yeah. So, um, I guess I'll start back as a as a young child. Um, I was born in 1990, so I'm 30 now. Uh, was born into a great family. Is that a little hard for you to comprehend? Yeah. Like the, when they look at your driver's license, <laughs> and you're like, they're like, oh no, you're good. You're like, what? And you're like, yeah, I see the one in your birth date. You're yeah. like, there's no, oh, the one. Yeah. At the front of the number. <laughs> yeah, no, no longer in the 20s now. It, it does sound weird, especially with the fiance that's in her 20s. So, still jealous of that. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be 34 this year, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, middle age is so hard. And I'm not even there yet. <laughs> I know, I know it, man. Um, but yeah, born uh into a great Christian home, um, brought up by two fantastic parents, um. 
that introduced me to church and uh, provided for me. Uh, I have a younger brother. He is four years younger than me. Um, but we just did all the things I guess like a normal family would do. Uh, played sports and uh, ate dinners together, went to church together. Uh, so I was, you know, I had a good foundation, sol- solid morals and values that were instilled to me uh, at a young age. And um, definitely great parents that provided good examples for how, you know, you should l- really live your life and what a marriage should look like. And I guess growing up, uh, getting a little bit older, uh, getting more involved in sports and things of that nature, um, my parents continued to provide for us, but I guess I kind of noticed them putting us first. And uh, I think that kind of hindered their marriage and kind of made my brother and I idols in their eyes. And um, they never made time for themselves. Um, And that kind of, I guess, allowed me to develop some pride and um, relied on myself and just kind of found my identity in sports and in myself, really, and of the world. And um, started getting uh, a little sideways around 16, started smoking cigarettes and uh, becoming a little more susceptible to partying with friends on the weekends and uh, drinking, you know, occasionally. And but it wasn't just drinking. It was it was getting drunk. It was drinking with the, with a purpose and um, tried marijuana and just did that whole scene, you know, throughout high school while I was playing sports and uh, started dating and um, not not really doing that well. And, you know, with my identity in the wrong things, um, you know, it was not a godly uh, relationship at all. Uh, there was a couple of occasions we would go to church together, but uh, not really. Um, with me being so involved with other activities, you know, I, I had no real foundation in Christ, you know, so I kind of lost my way there and would slip into church um, periodically. It was, I guess, what they call a CEO, a Christmas, Easter, and others, and the others were very rare. And uh, when I was at church, I, I wasn't present mentally. I was uh, thinking about when I can go play golf or um you know, am I going to be able to smoke a cigarette right after this? Or, you know, what, what can I sneak off and do? Um, I guess at 19, um, 18 really, went went to college, uh, played golf at Sam Houston for a short time, uh, but was really struggling in life. Um, was becoming more okay with, with the drugs I was willing to try. And uh, what was just, you know, smoking a little weed became smoking a lot of weed. And that became trying this and that and needless to say I I completely failed out of uh, my first year at Sam Houston had no 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 room on the golf team Um, just really kind of lost my care I lost my relationship with my girlfriend and so after losing everything I uh, went back home to Beaumont and um, that's when things really hit rock bottom Uh, for the next eight nine years I was bouncing in and out of jobs mostly in the restaurant industry living a fast life um, living high on drugs, spending every dollar I made and, and more than I was making, waking up in debt every day to somebody, uh, owing somebody for some sort of speed drug and, uh, just living a very fast lifestyle. That's just not conducive <laughs> to anything. And, um, so there was just definitely no Christ. There's just no, no foundation in anything. I mean, I was just living a day, day to day basis and I was completely lost and, 
um, I guess, in my early 20s. Um, I actually had to cry out for help to my mom and just completely opened up to her and was 100% honest and said, hey, this is kind of what I've been doing. This is exactly what I've been doing, really. And um, was very bold and, and very... Uh, it was very vivid with the details I, I shared with her and you know, m- moms aren't, aren't stupid. And, um, she, she definitely knew some things were going on, but, uh, I think she was grateful that I was able to open up and I'm thankful that I had a mom that was loving and allowed me to share and be vulnerable with her. And, um, but without really turning my life over to God, that was very short lived. Um, I think I got right for about two, maybe three days and, uh, was just trying to find temporary fixes, but without building a relationship with God and giving things back over to him and putting my family first, um, everything short lived. And so, uh, for the next few years continued in the same pattern. Uh, it wasn't really until, um, Last October, or October of 2019, uh, I was in a bad, bad way, doing terrible things, unspeakable things, really, for uh, for drugs. Um, stealing from my parents, um, just living just carelessly. I mean, just should not be here today. I mean, I, I was in, in, a bad, in bad shape, and um, my parents gave me an ultimatum, and... Uh, my parents had been split up and divorced for about eight years at this point. Um, and I feel like the Lord used this, uh, my, my, uh, poor life choices to uh, bring them together and to start communicating again. And, um, my dad gave me an ultimatum because I was living with him said, uh, you got two choices, son. Um, we're going to lock the lock, lock the, the door uh, to the house, switch our locks, uh, and drop you off wherever you want to go, whether that's under a bridge to a buddy's house, I don't care, wherever it is, we're done. Or uh, there's a six-month program uh, around Conroe called Interfaith Disciple House, and it is a uh, strict discipleship, a faith-based discipleship, uh, not anything of a rehab, but it is a residential facility. You can go there and give your life to God and build a relationship with God and give your give your family, uh, you know, the love that they deserve that they've given you. And uh, neither sound good in an addiction. You know, it's like, well, I have to swallow the reality that uh, I may not do drugs again. And there's a gr- there's a certain grievance to that. There is, and uh, it, it's tough because you're 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 comfortably uncomfortable. You know, when you don't have any responsibilities, um, you're just kind of carefree and all, your your focus is on one thing. And how, how am I getting high today without a job or, you know, what, what, what can I steal or who can I get over on? And um, so I kind of was dealing with that. And but one option sounded a little better than the others. One one guaranteed me some hope. And so um, I ended up going to Interfaith Disciple House on Halloween, ironically, of all days. Um Halloween 2019, and was scared. Um, My car was rented out uh, to a a dope-dealing street thug, really. I mean, I guess that's (laughs) the best way to put it. Uh, So I left that, my my car, in a situation, you know, in my parents' hands and just really trusted, trusted them and trusted God for the first time probably in probably my whole life. You know, I, I knew who Jesus was. I knew all the things that I'd been taught, but I didn't know him. 
he didn't know me, you know, and so um, I, I went there and I quickly bought in uh, for what it was, and so um, it was a six-month program, and I ended up staying seven because of COVID, uh, and, and since then, uh, a lot of things have transpired, i.e. meeting you and sitting here today, a lot of things in between, so just a little, little I guess, background. Yeah, I, um, I know it doesn't get any easier talking about it. The more and more and more, it gets easier on the delivery, mm-hmm. but it's almost like you got to relive it. Every sure. time you talk about it, you know, and those of you who have followed this podcast and know me personally know that I share a very similar story with Jordan. Um, <clears throat> the only thing is I wasn't as brave as Jordan. I didn't tell anybody. Um, I, I faced my inner demons by myself. Uh, and mine was strictly around anger, envy, and alcohol. Mm. It was... You know, it was bad. Um, you know, much like you, I, I grew up in a great house. You know, great loving family. Um, we never went without. You know, my 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 dad went to work, worked his butt off so we could have whatever it is we needed. Not necessarily what we wanted, but I never was denied playing sports. You know, if I wanted to go to church camp, I could. If I wanted a bass guitar, I could get one. Um, you know, as long as it was educational or, you know, something that would, you know, bring some sort of discipline to my life, he was all for it. Mm-hmm. Now, if it was video games, we were talking a little differently, right? <laughs> um, you know, my mother was, you know, she was always my biggest supporter with art, you know, growing up. Um, I always had a crayon or a pencil or a piece of charcoal, something in my hand. And, uh, you know, I really had no reason to be upset, angry, mad, never. But I just, I guess I was born with that sort of, um, I'll just say imbalance in my life. Um, so around, uh, let's see, it's probably around my freshman year of college, uh, well, it all, it really started when I turned diabetic. Uh, I was 17, right around graduation, um, in my senior year. Um, I remember sitting in my mom's car, just crying, my my eyes out. And I don't think I've told you any of this before. Um, and my mom's like, you know, she's crying. She's like, "Baby, I'm sorry. I feel like this is my fault." I'm like, "Mom, this is not, this is not, this is not your fault." But, you know, two years prior, I just had a major hip surgery. So it was like it was like compounding interest, right? It just kept building on building it. And uh, I was like, Mom, this is not your fault. And she's like, why are you so upset then? I was like, because I can't go get drunk with my friends on graduation. And she just kind of stopped. She's like, well, that's a blessing, you know. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, I... I grew up in the Methodist church, which my grandmother was my biggest influence of just even in, even introducing me to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would swing by our house on Sundays, pick me up while mom and dad could sleep in or, you know, whatever it was. And my mom was active. She was in the choir. And, you know, you know, God was not absent from my home. We'll just say that. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't the center of my home. Uh, my parents struggled a lot financially, although I never knew it. Um 
you know, we were not the we were not in the in the best position financially. We lived on the other side of the track, so to speak. And for those who can't see us, I used air quotes because <laughs> I I never knew it growing up. I just thought we lived in the country and that was it. Um, and then you go deeper into Mansfield and you find out, okay, if anybody knows where Mansfield is, and there's some of you here on I know live in Mansfield. You know exactly what I'm talking about. There's the country folk who went to Irma Nash, and there are the ritzy folks who went to Alice uh, Ponder and uh, J.L. Boren and all these elementary schools that had the country club folk. Um, I was never a country club folk. <laughs> to this day, I'm glad I'm not. <laughs> uh, I know a lot of good people that lived in the country club. Um, I just would not have fit in there. Um I just, I'm a very simple person. Uh, not to say that they're, you know, not simple, but I don't want to get off to subject. As he it. says this in his camo shirt. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and he's in, he's in my sound studio that has like 12 deer heads <laughs> and a whole camo wardrobe behind him. But um, anyway, uh, you know, this was the most important thing to me at that time was going out and getting drunk with my friends. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my my alcoholism kind of progressed through there uh college you know the typical go out and party every day uh get a random bit of sleep show up the next day in in class and sunglasses the one thing i was proud about through my old college experience was i never missed a class i would show up i was not there i was asleep but i, I was there yeah. you know physically um so really my struggle came, you know, early adulthood after I graduated college. Uh, it, it had progressed through there. You know, I was staying up all night in the painting studio with my friends. We'd bring a case of beer in. It'd be gone by the night, you know, and I'm like, how many did y'all drink? And they're like, uh, none. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I did all that by myself, you know. Um, and uh, when, I, when I was on my own, I got a job straight out of college and um i uh went into manufacturing field which for the first six months i was in a training program that was all out in the machine shop learning how to run machines how to measure parts um a lot of micro measurements through micrometers and and calipers and things of that nature and um it was hard it was hard you had to be there by five and you left at three thirty and you know, it was just, it was a hard adjustment for me because I'd never done anything like that before. And um, I quickly fell into the um, bar crowd where happy hour was at 3.30 to 7. And I'd go to one bar to do that. And then I'd go to another bar after 7 o'clock mm-hmm. and shut it down every night, seven days a week. Um, I was basically at a bar for 12 hours from... 3.30 until last call at 3. Or 1 o'clock was last call, but I would usually con the people there to, ah, just let me stay, you know. Yeah. And I was friends with everybody there, so they were yeah. like, oh, he's not, he's good people. He's not going to turn us in. We're not going to get in trouble. And they never did. Sure. But, um, you know, it, it got to the point to where I, uh, I needed to drink before I went to work because I had the hair to the dog. Um, and, uh, really it just, um, it, it progressed from there. And then fast, uh, you know, fast forward 
to when I met Callie. Um, you know, she's telling me about her college days and how I was like, oh, yeah, 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 whatever. You know, you party here, you do this, whatever. She's like, yeah, I just, I'm, I've grown out of it. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm late to the party. Like, that's what I do. Like, yeah. it's a business for me is how much can I drink? And uh, keep in mind, type 1 diabetes does not go away, folks. <laughs> I'm living with this. And for any of y'all who know what alcohol is, alcohol does to type 1 diabetic, it will raise and lower your blood sugar like a roller coaster. Mm. And um, I remember uh, we were engaged, and um, she was living at my sister's house, and I was at, in my apartment. And she had stay, she was staying um, at the apartment. She was watching the apartment for me while I was out of town for a business trip. And uh, I came... <laughs> I came to a, I had came home, and that night, uh, you know, we said our goodbyes or whatever it was, and we left, and um, uh, she stayed the night with me, and uh, the next morning, she, you know, she, we went off to work, and we did our own thing, and we came back, and I was like, hey, I have to actually take this customer out tonight, um, we're going to go here, and, you know, I always like tell her where I was, just so she wouldn't worry, and um, this was our first big fight ever. Uh, I, uh, told her I'd be home at nine, nine o'clock came and went, um, and I was at a place called Redneck Heaven in Arlington, Texas. And I, the beer there were served in 32 ounce glasses. And she asked, how many have you had? And I said, I've only had five beers. She's like, okay, it's not bad for you. Um, but maybe stop and let's come home. Now I didn't tell her I had five 32 ounce glass beers. Mm -hmm. I just said I had five beers. And, um, by this time I'm, you know, I'm probably about six in, um, and then a few hours later, I'm probably about 10 in and I don't know what it is about North Texas. They don't stop you. They just want to rack that bill up even more. And they just kept serving and serving and serving. Even though I was three sheets to the wind, I did what they call minnow shots. Have you ever heard of a minnow shot? No. They put a live minnow in this shot and you down the hatch, it goes. <laughs> I did four of those. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I think me and Callie were actually engaged at this point. And um, she texted me. She said, hey, where are you at? It was like 10 o'clock. I said, I'm waiting on your dessert. Because I did. I ordered her dessert to bring home. And then 11 o'clock came. And then 12 o'clock came. And then 2 o'clock came. And I'm still not home. So I eventually pop up into the my apartment and i just crashed on the couch after we got in the biggest argument i've ever had with her so um i was like oh i'm never gonna do that again i'm never gonna do that again so fast forward like a month later i we we uh i had bought or we got a whole bunch of furniture i don't remember the circumstance around it but I uh, had some friends of mine help me move it into my apart, my townhouse, and um, I said, well, hey, guys, for a thank you, I'll barbecue for you, so come on over, enjoy some barbecue, and I was, it's nothing like you've had, Jordan. It wasn't a brisket. I was very infant in the, in my, in my time of drilling at this point, <laughs> okay? Jordan's had my brisket, and mm -hmm. I, I cooked two for, like, I don't know how many people were there, like 12, 13 people at the party. Yeah. And I came home with none. 
which normally I can cook one brisket that'll feed that many people. But I was like, eh, we'll, we'll cook two for this one. But anyway, so they didn't have anything like you've had. Okay. It was very, it was like a stuffed chicken breast or something that I found on Pinterest or something. <laughs> um, and we, we ate that. And then lo and behold, a buddy of mine, Joey, brought over a case of beer. And next thing I know, we're out of beer. And I was like, well, I think I got some Jack Daniels. He's like, okay, let's just have Jack and Coke. So I went and got my Jack Daniel. We killed off that big bottle. And I said, oh, I've got some spiced rum that my parents got me from St. Kitts. And they were like, no, man, we're not going to have any of that. That's that's yours. You know, you enjoy that on your own. And I was like, no, 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 no. So I, I'm, already, I'm already gone at this point, and yeah. I bring it out. And um, apparently I was the only one who drank that bottle, and it was empty the next morning. And uh, that's when I had the famous dented iPhone, which if you ever sit down and talk to me and Callie, that story comes up all the time. <laughs> but um, really what happened was I came up at 12 o'clock at night, 12 in, at 12 in the morning, and I'm changing my shirt. And she's like, what are you doing? She had already been asleep for like two hours. I was like, oh, my shirt stunk. I'm changing my shirt. And she's like, what? I was like, yeah, they told me to come up here and change my shirt because it stunk. And my phone goes off. And she yanked it from my hand and she looked at it. And it's my buddy, Addison, who's literally downstairs saying, is your wife asleep yet? We got to go before last call. And I had a life-proof case on this thing at this time. And she chunked it so hard that it dented the metal part of the iPhone on the back. Oh, no. So, that's when I knew I had an issue. I didn't recognize I had an issue when I was having Baileys in my coffee every morning. I didn't realize that I was having an issue spending hundreds upon hundreds of dollars in bar tabs just for me. I mean, my highest bar tab was like $700 one night, and I did not know how I was going to pay it. Uh, let's see. I didn't realize and had an issue when my wife, at this time, my wife was about to leave me because of a, of a substance abuse issue. I didn't realize I had a problem when my blood sugar was at 23, and I had to crawl, literally crawl, my legs wouldn't work to the refrigerator and drink a whole thing of Hershey's chocolate syrup just to get to a normal blood sugar level. Hmm. And let me tell you, most diabetics will not survive below 30. Hmm. For some reason, I was, I woke up, I was at 23 and I had to cry, I had to roll out of bed because I could not move my legs and roll and crawl to the refrigerator. And my roommate actually woke up and found me asleep in the refrigerator with an empty Hershey. He's like, what the heck did you do? And I was like, I don't know. I don't even know where I'm at. I'm like, what's going on? You know, I woke up in uh, one of my buddy's front yard. Didn't even hang out with him that day. <laughs> you know, I spent a whole bonus check on beer. Yep. And, you know, I, I joke with everybody because they're like, you know, I, I just don't see that from you. And I was like, thank God you don't see that. Sure. I said, because with, with that became 
a really enraged person. Uh, and I couldn't have been any, any more further from God at this time in my life. Right. And, uh, you know, it was like everything, everything irritated me. You know, I felt like I was a, that grumpy 70 year old man that was yelling at everybody to get off his lawn and just for nothing, you know, mm -hmm. just for little things. And, uh, I, I just, <clears throat> I remember Callie looking at me and, you know, we, I had, I had really stopped drinking by the time I moved here because I, I looked at moving here as a fresh new start. Nobody knew who I was. Um, you know, it was a, it's just a chance for me to kind of escape my old life. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm going to use that word escape because it really was, I had to leave. Yeah. Um, and you know, every time I'd go back, I'd fall right back into that. And you know, that, that's another, another topic for another day, but you know, went right back to my old lifestyle. As soon as Callie would go to, she's like, I'm tired. I'm like, I'm going out. Boom. And I'd go right back out to that bar hang out with the same people, visit with the same friends, come home at four or five in the morning. Yep. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a curse. It's a cycle that yep. you just feel like does not break. And I remember walking into first Baptist Finette for the first Sunday. And I said, I told Callie, we, we were visiting down here and, um, or my, she's, you know, she's from here, and right. I was visiting. And she goes, well, bring bring some dress clothes because we go to church. And I was like, I don't go to church. She's like, well, then you can stay here. And I'll tell my parents why you're not going to come see them. And I was like, point taken. I'll pack some clothes. Sure. And I don't know what happened, but that instant, boom, just sat there in church. And I was like, I really enjoyed going. Yeah. And every time we come here, I was like – I packed that church packed the church clothes and I, you know i think one sunday we didn't go and i was a little upset and uh when we moved here i was super excited because i got to go to a church that i just I, you know fell in love with immediately when i walked through the door yeah and uh i don't remember what scooter was talking about i really couldn't tell you but i remember i know exactly where i was sitting and it was with the old pews it wasn't the chairs that we have now old wooden pews that kill your back and yes. <laughs> i'm like oh no i'm like i'm gonna do it at the invitation i'm gonna walk down there and i'm gonna ask to be part of this church couldn't tell you what he was preaching on don't know what the conviction was but as soon as the <laughs> invitation i was like a kid in a in a potato sack race dude i was the first one there and uh he's like what brings you here wayne and i was like i want to be part of this church <laughs> all right you know he's super yeah. excited a couple weeks i don't know if you know do you know brent gates I do not. Okay, he's been he's been coming recently with his wife Jessica, but he was a long-standing member ever since he was I think born basically of uh First Baptist Finette, but he looked at me and goes, "Why are you joining our church? Don't you live in Nederland?" And Scooter was like, "Easy, dude." <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Well, you know, me and Brent had a had a rough start, right? Um especially when you're asked that question, it's like the first question you ever asked." from this guy you're just like oh, give me a break right? yeah um i told him I, was like, I don't i don't like big churches i i like the smaller setting and really it had nothing to do with the size i had never been to first baptist neither and i don't know what it was about i literally fell in love with first baptist finette our intentions are to live out there 
eventually, whenever we can afford something again, we need to stop having kids for that to happen. (laughs) But, you know, it's, I fell in love with that. I fell in love with Scooter's preaching. I fell in love with Dwayne's worship. I fell in love with just everybody. And I think that is part of the story that a lot of people overlook is the church family that, that gets you to where you're at currently. And, uh, so I took the I took the time to read a series of books called the Left Behind series. I don't know if you've ever read that. Not, but I've heard of it. Man. Yep. I I donated the entire book series to our library. Go check it out. Okay. Um. But anyway, I read. I I I never really read books, and I read. I think it was thirteen books. 13 books in three, Quite mo- a bit, yeah. three months. They're not small either. No, yeah. no, they're like Harry Potter size yeah, right. novels. I read 13 books in three months. Wow. And let me tell you, all this jibber jabber about the end times going on right now and how we're in the seven year tribulation. I'm like, boy, if you would just crack your Bible and start reading something, yep. you'd know. I'm not saying we're not there because. No one really knows when you're there. Sure. But the evidence kind of shows that we're not there yet, and you think it's bad now. Yeah. Just wait until we get there. Yeah. Let me tell you, it makes you really convict the, I want Christ to come back and save me. And I actually said a prayer the other night. I said, God, if if anything in your word is true, please let the rapture for Christians be true, because I don't want to be here for that party. Yeah, no, no. You know, um... But really, I mean, that's, you know, after I read that book series, again, I can't tell you what Scooter was preaching on. I just wanted to be the first kid down at the front, and I said I want to be baptized, and I was baptized May 10th, 2015, and I have not turned back ever since then. And I can tell you, I can proudly go to Mansfield, Texas, to date, without drinking alcohol and or smoking any Anything. sort of <laughs> any sort of Anything. substance. Yeah. I didn't even touch on my on my drug use sure back then, but um you know, it doesn't really matter. You know, the the one thing that I wish you could I wish everybody could see was kind of our faces while we were telling these stories. Um you know, the 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 Bible says that we should look at our past and be reminded of how sinful we were. Yep. And how recognizably sinful we are, right? Um, but if you if you were to be sitting in this room with me and Jordan right now, there's not a smile on anybody's face. It's very hard to talk about this as a believer and a strong, faithful, we're trying to be godly men with a past so dark and sinful as it was. Sure. You know, it's it's very it's very tough because when you're when you're sharing this sharing these stories with people a lot of people who are not in the walk that you are going on they look at you like dude you're so bad <laughs> this is so awesome keep yeah. going and you're like no nah, i'm done yeah because now you're idolizing what i don't want to ever be again exactly and that i think that's one of the hardest you go to talk to any man in the church in our church in, in Finette, just ask them for their testimony. Some of them will cry giving it to you. Yep. 
of how bad they were and how much they have struggled to be where they are today. And every day, don't don't get me wrong, me and Jordan are not on an ice rink, you know, nope. doing, you know, playing hockey with no goalie. Yeah, no. It it's not it's not a walk in the park or in your in your analogy shooting birdies <laughs> on a par 5, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a walk in the park by any means. No, it's certainly it's not. It's very it's very tough. We're, you know, especially addictive personalities. Uh, it doesn't have to just be alcohol. It doesn't have to be drugs. It could be anything. Idolatry is really the center of an addict's heart. Yep. You're putting something else before Christ. Yep. And we ha- we've had a whole episode about idolatry in America. Uh, I think it's actually episode two. So if anybody listening to this it wants to know more about that, go go listen to that podcast. But, you know, it's that's exactly what a lot of people don't realize you don't have to be a drunk or a uh, a drug user or uh, addicted to porn or anything like that to to really have a um a, a, a darkened testimony no it could be i was a gamer for years and i rather have sat there and listened to 12 year old boys cuss playing call of duty on a Sunday than learning God's word yep. or this, this one kills me cause you know, it's like, I'd rather go hunting and drink beer and certainly, you know, and I, I've heard it so many times to where, well, when I'm out in nature, I'm with God. Okay. Well, you spend six days a week in your house and that's not nature. I mean, right. Where's he at six days of the week? Sure. And furthermore, Hunting season's only three months long. Yep. Where are you at, you know, the other nine months? Yeah. So it, it's it's very, it's a difficult walk. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, I, I don't know, you know, what's your, what's kind of your thoughts on, um, like, when you hear somebody else's testimony and, you know, it, it, it almost sounds like they're prideful of what they, what they had to say. Yeah, and so there's there is a there's tension of almost sharing too much because that's kind of where I struggle at times or struggled I guess at the beginning when I first started opening up because um the details don't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, how much money I spent and how many how much I did none of that matters. The, the point was was I was completely lost and I had no hope. But God showed up, and I listened. And so I'm, I'm, I guess looking looking back or listening to somebody else's testimony, there, there's always one thing in common, and, and and it is, it is idolatry. I mean, it's, but it's just common with lost people because if your focus and your hope is not in Christ, I mean, you can find it in anything. Your identity can be found in anything. Um, I, whether it's you're running from something, whether it's heck, I, I went through the disciple house with a buddy who had no identity. He never knew what his identity was. Um, if you would have said, uh, who is Bob? Uh, he, you know, he would have just stared at you and just, he couldn't have told you anything about himself other than he should just walk around the streets. He's just aloof. And yeah. so, um, there, there's a certain, um, there's a certain line or a certain tension with, you know, 
being vulnerable and being transparent and I guess uh, crossing that line into uh, I'm just being boastful about, you know, I, well, I did this, but now I'm here, mm-hmm. I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah. it's. I mean, I think it's being boastful of the sins of your past. Yeah, and, and Scripture tells us there. I mean, don't boast about your sin, you yeah. know, and so um, – I, I try to make sure, you know, I'm a, I'm a very proudful person, and, and I believe that having some accomplishments in sports at an early age built that, you yeah. know, or having uh, people build expectations in my own in my own life. Or, um, but there are no expectations. I mean, Christ yeah. is the expectation. It's funny you say that because I found a lot of identity in my work. Yeah. And I was even getting closer to God in my work. And I actually talked to Scooter last week. Uh, or Sunday, just a couple of days ago. Um, you know, my story with my work, I was not accustomed to failing. Like, yeah. I just just blew through every project, every escalation. Um, I went and won business. I built markets to what they were. I went on President's Club trips to Aruba. You know, I'm like, I'm the and the CEO knows who I am in a multi-billion dollar company. And, you know, I'm I'm sitting on cloud nine. Yeah, you're I'm the li- man. I'm like, I've been baptized. I'm close to God. Really, I'm putting a lot more into work at this time. My job is going great. The only thing downside is I drive an hour and a half at this time. You know, and I'm like, eh, it's okay. My boss loves me. You know, my wife loves me. I still have some anger issues I'm working out. Um, you know, a lot of, just a lot of good. And that's what I'm talking about when I was talking before this podcast. You feel like you're on a highway. You're just, just going through. Everything is great. And then everything gets even better. Oh, Wayne, we're going to actually put you as the operations manager, the job that I have been lusting after for years in Nederland. And I was like, oh, 10-minute drive from my house. I'm in charge. I'm the man. I'm the one driving the success. And trust me, my head just kept getting bigger. Yeah. Because when I got there, it was a success. We just kept growing and growing and growing. And then we went through a transformation at work. And they got rid of two other ops managers that were over the Geismer, Louisiana market, and the Sulphur market. Keep in mind, these guys have been doing that job for about 15 years. They fired them and put me over both of those markets. So you can imagine how even bigger my head got. (laughs) And guess what happened to me July 20th of last year? Laid off. Laid off. Lost my job. I Let me tell you, when people say you climb that corporate ladder... I climbed it real quick. And the fall from the top is really hurtful. Yeah. Really hurtful. Now, I am blessed in the fact that I got my job back. You know, they, an actual customer kind of came to my aid and said, hey, you know, if you don't bring this guy back, we're going to take our business elsewhere. Um. So I got to come back. I'm in a different capacity now, and I work from home. And uh, the whole isolation thing is a little different. And I told Scooter, I was like, man, I was listening to a sermon the other day. And uh, this guy said, 
I wore this badge of busyness like a badge of honor. He said, I will show you a person who is too busy is too far from God. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Turn it up a little bit. Let's listen to what this guy has to say because this is conflicting to what I'm thinking. And I think those are the sermons that really resonate with you is a lot of people turn it off. Yep. Or they'll keep they'll go to something else because it's uncomfortable. Sure. I'm gonna listen to it. Absolutely. Um and he said, you know, it, it's not that being busy is a bad thing. It's that you're so busy you're not giving God time in your life, and that's exactly what was going on through that corporate climb. And I don't know if you know this, but uh Robert Martin, one of the deacons at our church, yep. he's actually the one who introduced me into this business. He took a leap of faith. I had only met him a couple times. And in the middle of a service, he came up and said, hey, give me your resume. Email it to this email. And he got me in the foot. Uh, he got me a foot in with the, with the company. And I've always admired him because he's always kept God first. Now, if you go listen to his testimony, he'll probably say it's, it was a longer journey than what I'm what I'm saying. But, you know. Even when I worked with him directly, I could always see Christ was in the center of his life. And that's been the biggest struggle for me coming back is when I lost my job, I fell at the feet of the, you know, I fell at the base of this cross. And I was like, man, Jesus, I'm so sorry. God, I'm so sorry. I, I thought I had it figured out. And I think you're, you're humbling me right now to understand that my family, my relationship with you is not as important as what I'm making my job out to be. And when I got rehired, I said, I have some stipulations. My family comes first. I'm done at five o'clock. And I'm the music minister at the church. That's going to take precedence. You're like, that's fine. You know, what, you know, whatever. We just need you back. I found myself up the other day until 2.30 in the morning working. And then the next night, 11.30, next night, midnight. And I just stopped. I was like, is there really a difference here as being a workaholic than being an alcoholic? Because I haven't held my son today. Everybody's asleep. I'm not doing anything meaningful. I'm just kind of wasting my time. Yeah. Like I'm yeah, I'm getting I'm getting something accomplished. You know, it's it's not like an empty pit of alcoholism, but it's the same thing. Yep. It's the same exercise. So I stopped and that's when that sermon came on. And I was like, "Whoa, it just blew my mind." He's yeah, like, "Yeah, You're you're falling away from God if you're not giving God his time and and you're not being still." And that was the biggest thing. Be still. Yep. And I sent that to my wife, sent the whole sermon. I said, Hey, give this a listen today. It's Friday. She don't do anything at work anyway. They don't have a doctor. So, <laughs> so she, she texts me back and she goes, yeah, I haven't wanted to say anything. She goes, but you've been really angry lately. You've been very short tempered with us. You have not been that God fearing man that we are, um, accustomed to and uh she goes i just want my god-fearing husband back and i was like okay i get it 
so I called my boss the next morning. Sorry, I was getting a little emotional there. Yeah. Um, I called my boss the next morning. and said, "Hey, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of go revert back to. Um, I'm shutting it off at five o'clock." He said, "Yeah, me too." Because we were there for a while, emailing each other at midnight. You know, hey, looks look at this, look at this. I said, "I'm not gonna do it anymore. I've got, I've got my son. I've got two girls on the way." I can't give you more than eight hours. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, luckily I have a boss that understands, you know, but uh, more so I'm thankful I have a God that made me realize before I went down that rabbit hole again through workaholic-ism, if that's even a word. I'm going to be George W. I'm going to make up some words in this podcast. Yeah, do it. But um, that I have a God who placed a wife in my life that says hey y- you need to be still yeah and that's that's the key you know is we're gonna stray but our conviction should pull us in you know and when i say stray i'm talking maybe an inch away because we are working as hard as we can to follow christ yep. it's nothing like we were but you wake up a lot sooner than what you did yeah so it's um it's definitely one of those things that you uh you appreciate you know yeah, a, a, a lot and have you have you ever been on tiktok no don't do i mean i've like seen videos you know but no i, I don't have accounts with that okay i don't either i just i got it for free because my wife was showing me some stuff like funny parenting videos yeah I was like, oh, i'll give this a try you know just something other than facebook or instagram with yeah, all sure. this negative stuff going on and uh i went running to her the first couple of days i was like oh, i think i'm gonna delete this She's like, why is there a bunch of half-naked girls running around in here? She's like, oh, yeah, you need to work the algorithm. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. She's like, you need to go set it up to where you're not getting everything coming to you. She's like, because I, I, I found, she found out that like the more that you like certain things, that's what they'll yeah. kind of shove down your, down your throat through an algorithm that most social media outlets use. Yep. And uh, I'm like, okay, but all I see are cursing, drinking, partying, half-naked women running around. I'm not liking any of that stuff. Like, I, She's like, no. <laughs> so she showed me, she's like, you hit this, 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 this. I was like, oh, okay. If you go through my TikTok, it's a bunch of 60-second sermons. Yeah, awesome. Like that—that's all that's on there, or a funny parenting bit every now and then, yeah. you know, or something like that. But I'm like, you know, it kind of reminds me of when Jesus would return to Galilee, and everyone's like, that, not, "What? He's not performing miracles. He's not—he's not doing anything of value. He's a carpenter's son. I've known him since he was yay big." Yep. If I were to show some of the people I used to run around, my tiktok account and they were like um no (laughs) no this is not this guy's he was into heavy metal he was into drugs he was into psychedelic art and he was he was he was billy bad butt yeah um 
they would probably call bull on my TikTok account. Yep. And I sit there and I can tell you, I'm not too shameful to say it. While I'm using the facilities, I go through my TikTok and I'm over here going, he's our father, you know, while yeah. I'm in a public bathroom <laughs> and these guys are going, what the heck is going on in the stall <laughs> next to me? I might have a little mini worship going on in my, you know, in my bathroom, but you know, I'm like, I rather social media be filled with this than some of the things I'm seeing on Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, – I actually created a new I, – I, all I use is Facebook, and I don't have Instagram, um, we'll see, uh, Snapchat. I, I don't use any of the other platforms. Uh, but when I was in the Disciple House, I was only allowed my phone in my last month. Well, f fifth out of – my exiting my fifth month, entering my sixth month. Uh, mm -hmm. So the last month you were allowed to get your phone back, and – uh, I actually had sold my phone, and so uh, I didn't even have a phone, but uh, my parents were very gracious to me and provided me with that, and she said, you know, this is, uh, I've been very, very, I I've already been blessed, but I I've been beyond blessed and, and probably favored to have this fresh start and a new opportunity, and I need to take that seriously, and um, Facebook is, is very uh, toxic. And it can, it. I look at it the same way. Yep. It gives it gives the wrong people a voice. Yep. But it can give the right people a voice. Exactly. And I kind of, um, I I just really I guess examined myself and I said, well, what what direction do I want to go leaving the house? I mean, I can, I can be a new person. I I am a new person, and and so um. I created a, a, a new Facebook page, deleted everything off the old, completely started anew, and I said this is going to be something to where I praise God and where I'm vulnerable in my recovery, and this is this is a, a, a help page, I guess, mm -hmm. so to speak. And uh, so I just let everybody know right away, um, hey, you guys may add me as a friend, but I, I will not accept. There will be some of you guys that have known me from my past life that will see me as a recommended friend and I'm just, I'm, I, I have no desire to, um, run with the same, uh, desires that I, that I had before. Um, and so I tried to just flood my, my own page with, with scripture and with, uh, things that I learned through, uh, faith-based and biblical counseling and, uh, just things like that. And, um, it just, it's kind of a breath of fresh air when when I see that. Um, I just was very selective with with who I added because that's what your newsfeed will quickly become, yep. you know. And it's um, upon dating Emily, you know, when I asked her dad for my hand or her hand in marriage, he said, "Well, you've seen a little bit, a uh, little more of the world than I would have liked her to see." Um, but I, that can be used like you said for a good voice um yeah you know you people everybody struggles people are going to struggle but if you're willing to step out and i guess say something about it and 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 point to christ i mean that's that's what you want and that's yeah. what you're that's what you're looking for I've, everybody's got lost friends and um and everybody needs a savior i think it's the people who don't yeah. say anything pretend that it didn't happen yep 
and continue to be silent in their relationship and just go through the motions. Yep. Those are the most dangerous people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I'll speak for myself. Um, I, I was one of those people. I always was, you know, well, it was always something. Well, uh, at least I didn't do this drug tonight or, um, at least I didn't, didn't go here. At least I'm not that person or, um, you know, I always just tried to justify everything. Um, and I never once just was like, you know, I have a problem. And, uh, it, it, I certainly don't give myself any credit because it, it's it it didn't take me. I would have not. I, there's z- never a chance that I would have done it on my own. Right. You know, it took my parents um, really stepping in and, and finally just saying, "Hey, look, dude, you're cut off. You, this is this is not gonna fly. You're gonna just go go be homeless, or, or you're gonna you're gonna get this handled." And um, yeah. um, and, and so that's you know, I guess in my recovery, that is my recovery now. It's not, it's not, um, I'll always be in recovery, but my recovery looks a little different. It's what can I give back? What can I, what can I give that I was given, so to speak, you know? And, um, I was given a lot of tools through the, through the program that I I went through, but, um, scripture says in, in Colossians, I believe that, uh, we've been given everything we need to live a godly life. And so, um, I sometimes probably make it about me, and um, that's one of my prayers that I pray often is, Lord, forgive me when I make it about me, because it's always about you. Yeah. It, it's I've been fortunate to be a part of what you're what you're doing and what you have been doing, um, but I mean, man, how 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 blessed do we get to be to be a part of what what He's already doing? Let me tell you this: How blessed are we to even be able to have a relationship with Him? Yeah. Yeah. That's what people don't see. No. Is we are so far, so far removed from God and Christ. It is unreal. Yeah. It, and especially today. I mean, I. so have you seen The Chosen? I have not. I've heard good things. Great things. Um, that, those kinds of things. So, you know, you, you go through and read the Bible and it's hard to, put a visual to things it's sometimes even hard to wrap my head around jesus walked here yeah you know he walked the face of this earth he was a real person he's a real person and he never sinned and it's just like how many times do i sin a day even trying to bear his image you know and it's just like it, it blows me away every time but seeing things in going i guess going back to talking about today seeing episodes like in the chosen you you see the disciples that were always walking alongside him you even see like just i guess that's about as close as things ever were i I don't i don't know if that's fair to say i don't know i mean sin's always been a thing since day one uh but it just seems like there are way more opportunities to sin now i mean there's so many oh yeah there's just you have social media, you have technology. I mean, there's just around every corner. There's just, just Satan is lurking. I mean, he, he 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 can just jump out and get you using anything. I mean, he can anything. use scripture. I mean, he tried to use it against Jesus. Yep. And it just so. Well, um, you got to think. You know, I mean, Satan himself was an angel. Yeah, for sure. He's well versed in godly ways. Yeah. And he can use those against you. Absolutely. And I mean. 
it it says he's a lion lurking. Yeah. You know, preying on the weak. Yeah, I love that verse. And let me tell you, no matter how strong you think you are, you're not that strong. No, and <laughs> so two of my favorite scriptures go into exactly that. I was thinking about it earlier. You said something. I don't remember. Uh, so I was thinking about the wisdom of God, mm-hmm. you know, just how he's always looking ahead and how he's always got just the path is already paved. Uh, but it's in 1 Corinthians 24, 5, somewhere in there. And uh, it says, uh, the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Uh, the foolishness of God is strong, uh, wiser than man's wisdom. Uh, but another one uh, that you were talking about when I always pair the verse you said about the the roaring lion just mm-hmm. waiting to pounce on his prey is in First John where he says, "Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world." Mm-hmm. And nothing in that is is us. I mean, it's it's him in us yeah. that gives us anything that we have. Yeah. Have you ever seen a movie called God's Not Dead? I, I've heard of it. Oh, man, I've seen a lot of those movies. I don't don't know. It's about, I think I have. It's about a college kid who actually puts God on trial with his uh, theology, or not theology. Um, crap, I can't remember that. Anyway, um, uh, maybe it is theology. It's not religious theology. What's um, philosoph- uh, philosophy? That's, yeah, what, that's okay. what I'm looking for. He goes against his philosophy teacher, who's an atheist. Ah. Anyway, one of my before I was actually baptized, I went and saw that movie on a double date with a with an old friend of ours. Um, it was an attempt to actually gain a guy friend. Have you ever seen I Love You, Man? Yeah, with yeah, Paul, yeah, Rudd. Paul Rudd. I was yeah. Paul Rudd when I moved here. I was looking for guy friends. Um, cause all I had were really Callie and all her friends that I knew. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know any guys and they were all single. So I'm like, man, y'all need to get married or whatever, do whatever you gotta do. Um, so we went on a double date in hopes that I would match up well with this, with, with this guy and uh big old cowboy dude walked in. I mean, he just got the big old Texas twang and I'm like, <laughs> I wish I had a Texas twang. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm like I bleed Texas over here. And I just was not gifted with the accent. Uh-uh. But um, I remember walking into the movie theater and I was thinking I was you know big old country guy. I had my armor Under Armour hunting shirt on. I had my <laughs> ball cap. I had my starched jeans and my cowboy boots. And he's got you know similar looking going on. And I walk out of there. And I'm like, all right, you have a good night. Right, yep, yep, okay. And I got in the car and I just started sobbing. And my wife's like, what's going on? And I was like, I, I don't know. But I feel like I am complete garbage. I feel like I would have been one of these people who just put God's not dead past the paper. And that would have been the end of the story. I don't think I would have been that kid in that class. Who said, nah, I'm not going to do this. He wouldn't want me to. He would want me to stand up for him and my convictions as a Christian. And um, she said, okay, well, it's just a movie. And I was like, no, not to me. Like, I watch that movie, like, every month. Yeah. I watched it the other day, actually. And one of me and Callie's favorite quotes come from that movie. And it says that um, it's this it's this portion of the movie where... Um, uh, a grandmother has Alzheimer's 
she can't remember anybody's name. She doesn't know what she ate for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And um, her son, who is very far from Christ, comes and visits her. And he says, you believed in Jesus your entire life. You are the best person I know, and I am the worst person I know. And she's looking off. She's not even looking at him. She's just looking up at the moon or something. And she goes, without skipping a beat, she goes, sometimes the devil lets us live a comfortable life. She said, your sin is like a jail cell in that you're trapped by it. You're consumed by it. But it's so comfy inside, there's no reason to leave. But the jail cell door is wide open. You can walk out at any time. She goes, but then you find out it's too late. And the door closes. And I'm just sitting here going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're just yeah, like, oh, my gosh. And then she just looks at her son. She's like, I'm sorry, who are you? Doesn't even know who he is. And I'm like, that's purely God speaking through people. Yep. I know it's a movie. I know it's scripted. Sure, sure. But I'm like, what's that? Dis- what what what's that from ever happening in real life? Yep. You know. And I'm just like, I, I pretty much watched that entire movie for that five second quote. Yep. Because that's exactly the way that my life, my direction was going back in the day. Yeah. And let me tell you, being a Christian is not for sissies. No, no, it's especially today. <laughs> it is hard yeah. work. Yeah, it's tough to live above reproach, man. It, it really is. You are so now. different. Yep. And, and it is, it is. you know, I kind of, I don't have the words to express how different it is to live as a devout Christian in today's society. Yeah, certainly. I feel like it was easier for our grandparents mm-hmm. and their parents, yep. and their parents before them, than it is today. And I, I, it hurts my heart because I'm raising kids yep. that this is all they're ever going to know. Yeah, is it, it is sad. Everybody's got their voice. Everyone's got their opinion. And I'm not saying that nobody should have those things taken away, but the fact that we're not using the tools correctly. Yep. Like this podcast. I could turn this thing around and just talk about gun reviews and knife reviews and how I don't like people trying to take away the Second Amendment. But I chose for our voices to be heard in a different light. Yep. You know, I... I was I was talking to a friend of mine at work the other day, and uh, he lives in South Carolina. He's uh, he considers himself Southern. I was like, just because you have South in your name doesn't mean you're Southern. <laughs> okay, it still snows up there regularly. You ain't yeah. Southern. But uh, so we always get a kick out of that. And he's a devout Second Amendment guy. And uh, with all the new presidential stuff going on, he's like, man, I just. I can't, I can't get over it. I can't do this. I can't, I'm like, <laughs> so I'm going to have to stop you, buddy. I don't really care. He's like, whoa, whoa. You have a come and take it flag. Like, you, the minute you found out how to get a license to carry, you ran out and got one. 
you have you are a devout hunter you're you know you're you're all about the second amendment and i was like i was and now i don't really care yep because it's impermanent it's not going to be around forever a- as much as we pride ourselves on our democracy our our you know our country foundation and the, and the constitution which is all great i don't really care because I'm putting my I'm putting my faith and and belief and my time into something else. Yep. Yeah, and that's I mean that's a great point because you know even now as I try to follow the Lord to the best of my abilities, I try to love him with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. Um there's still things that take my focus and take my time. And that's that's kind of where I, I struggle and where I need to repent is, I mean, these things don't last. Um, as much as I love golf, you know, and I've been very fortunate enough to be able to use golf and to have a platform there to use it to advance the kingdom of God, to be able to give back. Um, it's still, there, there are things that always fight to take away from that. Mm-hmm. And... It's not everlasting. And that's where, you know, I'll be sharing my full, a full blown testimony here uh, in less than two weeks, or I guess, you know, around 20 days at the end of March uh, with, with the golf tour. Um, I'll be sharing it with a lot of non believers. So it'll be kind of geared a little differently, but it'll be more about salvation and eternal life because. Make no mistake, eternal life is for everybody. Yeah. Where are you spending it? And everything here is going to pass away. When I was in the disciple house, my mentor, uh, who was our, I guess, kind of our pastor, he was the program director. Um, I, one of the things that he alluded to often was, I mean, say, say you want like a nice pair of shoes. Well, where are those shoes going to end up in? 30 years, 10 years, 5 years, 2 years, you know? They're they're not they're irrelevant. Nobody nobody would even own them. I mean, they're just going to be trash. And and so we we have to put our our hope have to put everything into something that is going to last. Yeah. And that's why I struggled for so long because I tried to put it into other things. I I just was running. I feel like the Lord was always pursuing me and he could do whatever he wants. He doesn't need me to allow him. But in a sense, that's kind of where his grace and mercy fall because you have to you have to get to a place to where um, God's all you got. You don't it's hard to realize that he's all you need till he's all you got. Yeah. You know, and that's where I had to get. So I see it as a gracious thing to be able to hit rock bottom. As I talk to friends that struggle now with similar things, they're, I don't want to say that they're atheists, but they're non-believers for sure. Yeah. They, they're unsure that they're, you know, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. They can't even get on board with that. And so <laughs> The first, like, sentence of the Bible. <laughs> and, and that's, and that's kind of where I go to. And, and, you know, when I try to lead somebody who doesn't understand, you can't just jump in. I mean... You can, even even to starting in John, talking uh, you know about John the Baptist paving the way for Jesus, it's tough to get them on board with that mm-hmm. if they can't even understand that they were created, and so by somebody, 
You know, it's like, well, what what else do you think happened? Seriously, though, yeah. you know, like, what what do you think? Because you have to believe something. It didn't just act like I mean, the human body is so intricate. I mean, what what? How do you think it's so perfect? I mean, it heals itself. It's funny that you say that. There was a secret church that we that we had a couple years. Are you going to secret church this year? Uh, it's I might, at your house. I, I, I might. It's at your house. <laughs> if you're not there, I'm very disappointed. Uh, okay, so secret church is like my favorite day of the year. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, excited. I love it. It is like a rocket Sunday school. I mean, you are flipping through the pages of your Bible. You're writing notes down. It's just the most intense Bible study you've yeah. ever been a part of. Have you ever done one before? <laughs> no. Okay. No. Right. I, I'm excited. So the first one I ever went to was about reaching all nations. Okay. And I remember hearing David Platt, which that's my man. Yeah. By the way. He's like, good. He is awesome. Yep. Uh he was talking about the innocent person who's never ever had the feeling, the notion, been delivered the message. He said, if you have ever met that person, Please bring them to me. And they're like, well, these tribes out in South America, they're like, mm -mm. that person doesn't exist. Everybody has always wondered if there's a higher being. Absolutely. What happens when you die? And what are you living on earth for? Yeah. Everybody. Everybody who has ever lived has thought about those three things. Absolutely. So there's no untouched person. No. That's the Lord kind of putting your presettings in you, right? Yep. And I'm thinking about that, and I'm like, let's just assume I never, ever knew what church was. Okay? Never went to it. No one ever asked me to go. Never walked in. I would have thought about these things. And let's say that I died just out of nowhere without ever having gone to church, ever heard, heard the gospel. And I get there and God goes, part from me for I never knew you. Well, wait, a, wait a minute. I, I, that's not fair. No one ever shared. Every knee. Every. Every buddy yep everybody the indian kid in the jungle of south south america the preacher at first baptist finette everybody yep it's very clear yeah very clear so but that's where me as a christian i get conviction right i'm like i need to talk about this more yeah because i don't want to be so to speak in line with the person behind me going, Oh man, I, no one ever told me that. And I'm like, Oh, I met that guy at Starbucks. I should have said something. You know, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. But my past life, you didn't talk about that. That no. wasn't good bar talk, you know, kind of moderate believer life. I don't know enough about the Bible. Guess what? You don't have to know a lot about the Bible. So, yeah. So, I want to stop you for just a second. Yeah. Because, 
you're you're hitting something. Okay, so I'm gonna try to tie these two things in, and I may stumble a little bit. So just try to walk with me here. <laughs> okay, so uh, one of the things I always pray for, always, is the opportunity to be able to witness. I always pray for that, and in a sense, we should all be praying for that. But it's kind of a dangerous prayer because. Yeah. So there's this there's this like joke or something like that. And it's like this guy drowning and he's like crying out to the Lord and he's like, "Hey, like you send know, yes, yeah, send me a sign. You know, send me something." And, and you know, some raft comes by and he passes. No, no, no. God's gonna save me. And it, you know, a boat comes by and then a helicopter comes by and then he ends up drowning and dies and he goes to heaven and he says, "Well, I was waiting on you to save." Him. And he said, "Well, I sent you a boat, uh, and you a know, raft. and a raft yeah. and a helicopter." And in the same way, if you're praying for opportunities, you better take them seriously because, and I don't say you, I'm really talking about me here, everybody. Everybody listening. Sure, absolutely. Because if, um, like you said, you know, oh, I saw that guy at Starbucks. Well, you just don't know who needs to be touched in that time. Um, And that's... You know, so when I when I pray on Wednesdays, when we have our prayer time, um, we have to start with this community. Uh, I guess we're in Nederland, but I'll speak as the church body as a Finette. Mm-hmm. So we need to start with that area because there are plenty of lost people just in Whoa. Finette. You know, it's hard to think about the world as a whole. We're not not everybody's called to go make disciples of all nations. I mean, yes, that's what that's what the Bible says, but not a single person can do that. Right. So we need to start stewarding the things that we're in our in our that are in our immediate lives. So for me, you know, that's on the golf course. And fortunately, I've been able to create this the fellowship golf tour and been able to present the word of God to people that are completely lost. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, so it's it's tough to get caught up in, you know, while Chris is here from Uganda Um man, I want to go to Africa and I want to go, you know, do all these things. And it's like, well, let's just slow down because there's plenty of people here that aren't touched. Yeah. So let's make sure we're doing an outreach in our immediate community first, because you don't want to pass that guy up at the gas station. Um, you just, that's why it's so important that we're in close fellowship. Uh, my favorite word is koinonia uh, <laughs> with, with the Lord, which is just an intimate fellowship right. uh, with God, because the closer in fellowship you are with him, you know, you're so in tune with everything, you, you, with your convictions. I mean, that's what the Holy Spirit is there for, is to convict us and to guide us and to steer our paths. And, um, you know, so one of the things I pay attention to, I guess, which is easy, is like the guy on the side of the road. Yeah. Um, there were uh, there, there a few times when I, I, I know I miss opportunities. You know, we're all going to miss opportunities. I don't think, th- I, maybe, but I just don't know that it, it, it's – we're ever going to get all the, we're on a, but I think life. you identify them and you're like, Oh, I totally had a window there. Yeah. I think that's, you know, the beauty of God's grace. I think he, sh- he, he shows us that he's like, Hey, like you just missed that opportunity. It's like, it's like a father. Yeah. You know, oh, it, it is a ve- father. It's like, Hey pal, he, do you realize what you just, yeah. Yes. I, I, I think so. Dad. Yeah, and, and you know. the the one thing I think Jesus was referred to most in the Bible was teacher. Yep. I mean, that's that's the beauty of it. I mean, always, 
and a disciple is is the definition of a disciple is a learner. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's what we are. I mean, we, we always need to be learning. We always need to be willing to learn. We'll never know everything. Yeah. And we're not supposed to know everything. I don't want to know everything. I I really don't want it. Knowledge is power. And let me tell you, I I've had my dose of power, and I'm done with it. <laughs> I don't want to know everything. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, actually, I'll I'll tell you a little short story. Um, it was about a year ago at Stripes Gas Station right there on 365. Time out on Stripes. The uh, spicy pork tacos <laughs> are awesome. <laughs> um, I will have to take your recommendation on it. I um, Spicy carnitas. There you go. I'll have to... Uh, I, from the Laredo Taco Company? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. man. Yeah. Killer. Oh. Anyway, before we get <laughs> off topic... Um, there was a guy who walked up to us pumping gas, and I was doing good because normally I'd go inside, get a Diet Dr. Pepper, enjoy that lustful carbonated drink. Crisp. I mean, just gulp. Anyway, <laughs> this guy came up to me. He goes, sir, and, and, the, and the first thing that's running through my mind is, here we go. Another guy is going to ask me for money. Sure enough. He said, sir, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. He goes, I'm not asking for money. I'm just asking for whatever you can spare. I stopped. I was like, never been asked this before. Yeah. I said, well, what do you want to eat? I said, I I don't care. I said, I'm not going to give you money. I said, what do you want to drink? He said, if I'm honest, I want a beer. I said, okay. So let me finish pumping my gas and we'll go into the store. He's like, wait, what? I was like, yeah, we'll go into the store. So I go in there. I said, get whatever you want. Whatever you want. Within reason. I'm not rich. Yeah, right. But within reason. So he got like, he got a tall boy. He got a whole bunch of water. And uh, I think he got like some donuts or something like that. He said, uh, can I ask one more favor? I said, what you got? He said, I really want a pack of cigarettes. He's like, yeah, get whatever you want. He, this guy is so taken back. Yeah, he's yeah. like, I don't, I don't know, should I keep pressing my luck or do I stop? I, you know, I can tell what he's thinking. Yeah, right. He said, well, can I get two packs of cigarettes? I said, sure. He's like, three? I said, no, you can get two. Okay. So he gets... Two pack of cools or whatever it was. Yeah. We walk outside. I said, give me the bag of stuff. He's like, wait, what? He's like, give me the bag of stuff. It's mine. I bought it. So give me the bag. So he gave me the bag. <clears throat> and I said, you're going to pray with me. Yep. He's like, oh, I don't, I don't do that. I said, then I'm going to go return all this. He's like, well, wait a minute. I was like, no, that's the only stipulation. Now, granted, I didn't tell you this before we went into the store. Yep. I said, but the only stipulation I have is that you and I are going to pray right here in this parking lot. We're going to pray out loud. He's like, okay, I think I can do it. So we prayed. And he looked at me and said, why did you do this? 
Yep. I said, because God's given me a lot more than two packs of cigarettes, four bottles of water, and a tall boy of beer and some donuts. I said, all this stuff right here, this won't mean a lick in the kingdom of heaven. I said, my hope is that you won't need the tall boy. You won't need the two packs of cigarettes. That all you'll need is fruit of the Spirit and the Word of God, and you'll find your way. I was like, I've been down this road, sir. I've never gone up and asked somebody at a gas station for money. But I've been in your shoes. Yep. And let me tell you, life may be hard. It's a lot harder as a Christian. But it's a beautiful life. And I just want you to really consider turning from this and going out here. And I just happen to have an extra Bible, a uh, New Testament Bible, in my in my truck. And I said, look, I have like five copies of this. I want you to take this and I want you to take it home. I don't know whatever happened to that guy. Yep. But my hope is that he's read it and now he's involved something else. Yeah, you know, I don't like telling stories like that. I'm not a saint, no. But and we're told not to be boastful in our charitable acts and not to talk about it out loud. But you know, it's it's one of those things that it was an opportunity. Sure, it was a big opportunity. I could have very much said, "Dude, go away. Just just go away. I don't have time for this." Well, and and not even that. You could have met him in the middle. And just got him the stuff. Yeah. But that's kind of what, what I always look at is it's got to be more than just doing something nice for somebody because that's not fruitful. There's if, nice people. There, so, and that, that's, that's a great point because well, there are plenty of good people in the world that don't know Christ that, you know, are even good from a biblical standpoint. Yeah. You know, they have good morals, they have good values, they don't steal, they don't cheat, they don't lie, or, you know, they, I guess everybody in a sense does all of those things, but, you know. Um, it's not like, it's not a. Yeah, it's not blatant, they're right. not shysty people, but, so there's plenty of. Shysty. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so, so there, there's plenty of people in the world that do good things yeah. without having the love of God flowing from them, because there's there's got to be something different. And that's kind of in the same way when I started this golf tour, I said, this has got to be different. There's plenty of other golf tournaments. There's plenty of other money games for people to just go play in. This has to be uncomfortable to a sense. And, you know, so before, I guess talking about that, before each tournament, I decided, well, do I make it mandatory for people to be there? And I, and, I, and I kind of favor on the side of no. I'm not going to make it mandatory for you to come and listen. But I pray that uh, that the message gets across. Yeah. Because I don't do the best job of living like a Christian. Uh, I mean, I still have my struggles. I still get angry on the golf course. I let four-letter <laughs> words slip at times. But then, you know. We're I talking about crap. Crap. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and so or dang, uh, but you know, I, I have to quickly remember that I have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me. Yeah, and He's faithful to convict me because 
if I'm saying and doing the same things, if I'm even thinking the same things, well, then what separates me? What sets me apart from anybody else that is not a, a believer or a follower of Christ? So I have to be different, you, and you have to be different, and you were in that sense, man. So I, And I think, you know, not to give you praise, but that's that's the correct way to go about that is yeah. it's got to be more than just doing something for somebody, but explaining why. Yeah. And I think that you, you did a beautiful job with that. I, I mean, mean, I think holding the door open for someone is a, is a charitable act, right? It yeah, doesn't matter if it's sure. a man or a woman. No. But I'm not going to stop you and say, you need to praise Jesus that I hope <laughs> hold the door open for you. Right. And I, but I don't, you know, in a charitable sense of what, like the measure I went through, a nice person is just going to get, you know, get you something to get by. Yeah. They're, they're not going to say, get whatever you want. They're not going to say, I have a, I have a stipulation with this. They're just going to say, hope you have a great day. Yeah, and the Bible even talks about that. It says, you know, go go and be well, but but what is it if you don't do anything about that? Right. You know, it's it's nothing. Uh, it, it it also when you said something about um, uh, uh, depart from me, I never knew you. Well, backing up in that same passage, uh, it talks about you will know them by their fruit, and so you know, you, the, the fruit has got to be there. Yeah, and so and um, you know, I again. You know, the, the part of the story is, you know, I would love to follow up with everybody that I've talked to about Jesus. It's not going to happen. I don't does, even. It doesn't matter. I don't know this guy's name. Yeah, it, it doesn't even matter. But my job was complete. Yep. I did what a Christian was called to do, and that's share the gospel, share Jesus' grace and love, and to tell him there is something more to this life. Whether he takes it or leave it, that's on him now. Yeah, well, it's on God, really, because yeah. the work of the Spirit will complete the rest. We, right. And that's where, you know, when I uh, when I share my testimony, I, I try to be careful about doing the work of the Spirit because um, there has to be... Uh, there, there has to be um, room for, for the Spirit to take part because, you know, I want to shame people and tell the bold truth, <laughs> but then there has to be... Well, where's the grace in that? Yeah. And where, where's, you know, where's the blood of Jesus in any of this? Yeah, and there, so there was a guy early, early, I joined a uh, Christian student ministries and I joined for the wrong reasons. I joined because there's a lot of hot girls in the class. <laughs> uh, and there was this one guy, his name is Joshua. Um, really nice dude. N- nice dude could tell his heart was in the right place and mm-hmm. he said hey i would like to talk to you after class one day and i was like yeah I'm, I'm good with that and we sat down we talked for like four hours about how everything i was doing was wrong and you know i was like i i get that you know and the biggest rebuttal i always get from from non-believers or or almost their believers is you're not perfect dude but the way in which we deliver that like argument to somebody we cannot portray it as we are holier than thou and we got it figured out yeah and that's that was what turned me off of sharing with a lot of people yeah was i don't want to come across as this dude did i mean i really felt like he had my collar had me on by a collar down on the desk and beating me with a cross because i was just so different than him 
And I'm like, if I could start an outside ministry, where would I put my my feeler people? I'd say go to the bar, go to the strip club, get those people. Because we're not talking to those people. Nope. You know, pull them outside. Hey, if anybody wants to talk about Jesus, I'll be out in the parking lot. That's all you got to say. <laughs> like You get you, attention. You get attention real quick. Yep. You might even get somebody to go out there one day. You might, yeah, you might. Well, hey, what, what do you, why? Why are you here? Yeah, why are you here? Well, let me tell you. Yeah, hey, let me tell you why I'm here. Yeah, I mean, that's the question you want. Yeah. Yeah. But and it's not to it's not to self-project as some sort of, I'm a more complete person. No. Because guess what? Billy Graham said it the most. The closer your walk with Christ, the more sinful you feel. That's very true. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Every time I see a cuss word, I'm like, yeah, man. And I pray. I'm sorry, Lord. You know, I'm like, I am I know, you know, I've even said in my prayers, I know you're tired of hearing me say this. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> man. <laughs> but I know that you will forgive me because it is written in your word that you will. And your word is all that matters. Yep. Right? Simple prayers. Yeah. But. The closer you are with your walk in Christ, the more sinful you feel. I'm just like, Billy, you figured it out, man. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, you were talking about making making it mandatory that you listen. You're a much nicer man than me, I will tell you that. Because I was talking to him the other night. I was like, man, if I, if we were talking, because the lottery was like, I don't know, it was was like something like $400 million or something like that. And Callie and her work people play it when it gets that high, and they split it. And she's like, "What would you do if we won like seventy million dollars tomorrow?" And I was like, "Ooh, what would I do? I'd probably still start a big podcast." I was like, "I'd keep my job because I need the health insurance. Diabetes is expensive. What would I do though?" I was like, "I know what I would do. I'd start a I'd start a barbecue restaurant in Beaumont because there's only one good one, and that's seventeen oh one." I've never even had it. Me either, but, but I know. I look at yeah, it. And I, I like, know it's good. Any place that's open from eleven to two, and that's it, and you have a line and sells out. Yeah, it sells out. I'm like, you're the business. So I was like, I would start a barbecue place, and what I would do is I would, kind of similar to them, be open from eleven to three, but I would cook extra, and I would say from three to five veterans and homeless get to come eat for free yeah my only stipulation is you're gonna sit here and we're gonna have a bible study yeah i love it if you're gonna eat my food for free you're gonna listen to god's word while you do it yep i love that well how can we get you 70 million dollars i don't know maybe this podcast will get us there one day (laughs) 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 you know and i was like because that's what i want to do when i retire is just have a travel trailer and just make you know, smoke briskets every night, go to the refineries and and uh, sell, like, brisket plates and stuff like uh, that I when mean, I retire. Yeah. And I'm like, I could do something as simple as just on in every plate you get a verse of the day. That's what I do with my scorecards, man. Yeah. That's exactly what I do. You know? Um, something. And, and there's times um, to where every player gets their own card, and whenever I give them their card, 
um, I'll offer an incentive. And I haven't done this every time, uh, but I'll put a scripture on there and I'll say, hey, when you turn your scorecard back in, if you can recite that scripture, you're going to look at it 18 times. You have no choice. You have to see it to write scores. Right. If you can recite that scripture, I'll take a shot off of your score. A shot doesn't seem like a lot, but when you've got 45 players and half a shot to a shot decides every golf tournament, it's a lot. Yeah. So, uh, man, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just, I would love, especially for, you know, I'm, I'm a really big advocate for veteran care. Yeah. I don't have the money to financially back these people, but, like, I've always thanked veterans, no matter what conflict or war, whatever you want to call it, you were in. You know, I'm like, you were called on a whole different level. Yeah. And when I was 18, I was called for the same thing. I went to the Marine recruiting station the day I graduated high school. All I wa- and it wanted to be was a Marine ever since I was a kid. Yeah. And which is funny because everybody in my family was a naval guy. But I'm like, I'm going to be a Marine. <laughs> <laughs> so, but. I got denied because I was type 1 diabetic. I had two pins in my hip. And they're like, dude, you're just too much of a liability. We couldn't even use you behind a desk. Mm. And I'm like, you talk about just your your dreams get down. But I'm like, there's got to be something else. There's got to be something more. And I really didn't find what that true calling was up until about three years ago when my son was born. Yeah. And I was like, I was called to be a dad. Like pretty simple, very simple. Yeah, but it's the most miraculous thing, and I'm gonna tell you a hard story. My anger got so robust that Callie looked at me one day and she just, with tears in her eyes, I mean, I could tell it was the most painful thing she ever said to me. She said, "I do not want to have kids with you." I mean, breath knocked out of my lungs. Flopped down on a recliner. I was like, what'd you say? That's the whole purpose of getting married in my book. You get married, you have kids, you build a life together. You die, and your kids continue on your legacy, right? Yep. She's like, I'm not bringing kids into a anger-filled marriage where God's not the center of it. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been hit with a sack of bricks, yeah, yeah, that was my moment. The day that she said that, the next day I enrolled in therapy, in counseling, and I've you know I've been going ever since. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think you, I don't think you were here last June. No, you weren't here last June. I were you here on Father's Day last June? Ooh, Father's Day. I don't know that I was at Finette yet. No, no, I was not at Finette yet. So I. The minute we had Jarrett, I was bursting at the seams. I was like, I love being a dad. I I cannot wait every morning to be a better father. Like, every morning. I can't wait to be a better father. There was a whole time in my life, Jordan, I didn't want to even have kids. Yeah. Because I was so wrapped up into doing my own thing. Yeah, yeah. And, um... I remember I went to Scooter and said, hey, Scooter, I know this is like nine months away, but I really want to do Father's Day Sermon next year. He's like, okay. (laughs) It's it's quite a ways off. And then like every quarter I would remember him. 
Yeah, I'd remind him, hey, I'm going to do Father's Day. Okay, that's fine. And then the Sunday before Father's Day, I said, hey, Scooter, do you remember that I wanted to do Father's Day? He's like, I completely forgot. He's like, yeah, you can do Father's Day. It's fine. And so I typed up my sermon. I was super excited about it. And actually, I will say the 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 skeletal structure, because I am not a preacher, have no formal training. I watched the sermon by this guy over in South Carolina that I watch a lot. And it was had to be a godly dad. And I took the kind of the structure of his and made it my own, you know, kind of right. built, built around that. Yeah. And uh, a lot of a lot of same talking points and things like that, just to keep me on track because I can. I mean, we're an hour forty two minutes into this. I could keep <laughs> going, but um, I'm like, I, I sent it to Scooter. He said, "This is very ambitious. This is like twelve scriptures, Wayne." He's like, "You got to keep it within sixty minutes. So if you think you could do it, go for it." He's like, "Just lay whatever it is on your heart." And the minute I got up there, I said, "Scooter doesn't think that we could do this. We're gonna do this in tw- we're gonna do this in sixty minutes." So have your Bibles ready. We're flipping some pages. It was almost like a mini secret church that I was yeah. like, if you look here in Hebrews, if you look here in John, if you look here, blah, 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 just going all over the place. I was more comfortable giving that sermon about being a father than I am every Sunday of singing in front of a congregation. Wow. I'm just like, I love being a dad. Yep. And I get to do it again in June. Praise like, God, I get man. two girls. Trust me, that is the most terrifying thing I've ever dealt with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm too cheap of a person for to have two girls. Oh, boy. But I can't wait. Sure. Like, that's that's my future. That's where I'm going. I don't care about making the most money. I don't care about working a 50-hour work week. I don't care about staying busy. I care every morning that I wake up my son, I get him dressed for school, I take him to school, and every morning I tell him I love you. I don't care if we had a hissy fit. I don't care if he said, I don't like you, you're being mean. Every morning I tell him I love you. When he gets older, I've already prepared when he can comprehend a little bit more. I'm already compre- I already have my speech written out every morning what I'm going to say to him when I drop him off at school. You know, protect and love each other. Yep. And show somebody Christ today. Yep. It's simple. Yeah. But it's what we're not telling our children these days. For sure. There's too many kids out there. And I play Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Trust me, I listen to all your little rugrats on there. Okay? <laughs> There's like six-year-olds on there saying worse things than I could ever imagine. Yeah. I didn't know what these words meant when I was six. I'm like, I can tell Christ isn't in your home. Sure. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that. No. Because if Christ is in your home, more times than not, you're probably not playing a video game. You're probably spending time with each other. Yeah. Or you're definitely not saying these sort of things. Yeah, right. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy to me. It's sad, man. Where are you going? What's your future? Uh, yeah. So, uh, got the got the golf tour going. Um, 
but I'm actually engaged. Uh, just Congratulations. Thank you. Thank I'm you. so excited for both of you. I can't, yeah. like, y'all are like my super favorite young couple in the church right now. And there's a lot of young couples. And I, I, love, now. I love each and every one of y'all equally. I just tend to gravitate towards you and Emily a little bit more. Oh, uh, well, thank you, man. Uh, yeah, very, huh, very fortunate to be able to be in a relationship with um Somebody whose family I, I considered, um, I kind of held in high regards, probably unfairly. Uh, they grew up in the same church as, as me uh, in Beaumont at Westgate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess coming out of the disciple house, she heard my uh, testimony and uh, we were able to share some things. And uh, I think she really felt like God was using my story to help her just address some of her own issues that she had going on in her life and some of her own idolatries. And um, so through that, uh, we were able to uh, spend some time together and develop a relationship. And uh, a short time later, uh, I asked her to marry me. And uh, thankfully, she said yes. (laughs) I had to get past her dad, which is... How the the story would unfold if she said, no, not right now. Yeah, right. No, I was very sure. She actually proposed to me probably every day for a long time, <laughs> and uh, she would she would attest to that. But uh, no, I um, was uh, man. It's just been uh, it's been a, it's been a crazy year being out of the house, um, just transitioning back and and having new cares and new desires, uh, having new future and new hopes. Um, have hopes of starting a family soon. We'll be we'll be uh, Lord willing married on May fifteenth. Yep. That is the plan. Um, in the midst of COVID and yep, in the midst of just all the craziness. Um, yeah. Um, Hopefully we don't have like a freak snowstorm. Yeah. Right. No kidding. <laughs> in May. Yeah. So uh, just very fortunate to be in the place that I am. Um, I have a good job. Um, my parents have reconciled their marriage through my sobriety and. Uh, my brother is actually going to be getting married two weeks before me, and That's so awesome. just a special time for both families right yeah. now, and uh, a lot of first things happening, and so just excited about the future and the the new direction. Yeah, I remember the second Sunday your parents came to church. I was like, you know what? I didn't. I'm I'm probably one of the most shy people you've ever met. Yeah, I don't like talking to new people. Um, I just ha- I just it's just weird. I just don't. Yeah, I'm always I'm always worried I'm gonna forget your name, I'll forget yeah. what we talked about, you know, whatever. And it just I don't want to be rude, so I just sneak out the back door and go do my own thing, and I don't have to have to worry about it, right? And I'm like, that's not what Christians do. Like we talk, yeah, you know, we just talk. people, yeah, it's just people. And um, I remember seeing your parents um, sitting with you that sun, you know, that Sunday, and I was like, I just want them to understand how excited I am that they're here and how brave they were through all this. Because let me tell you, uh, it is being a parent. I kind of put myself more in their shoes. I mean, I don't have a, I don't have an adult kid by any means, but I'm like, I will one day. And it's, Oh yeah. In a blink of an eye, it'll be here for sure. And I'm like, how, what would I do? Would I be like Jesus and give us fourth, fifth, twelfth, hundredth, two hundred chances? Yeah. 
or would I be the angry father who has a short fuse? And I just wanted to tell your parents how much I admired them through that because they were the parents that gave you one, two, three, four, and they never gave up on you. No, no. They let you have the decision. Yep. Which is what God does to us in our life. I agree. We get to make the decision. He's already laid the road out. He knows what we're going to choose. Yep. But he is still giving you. That's that's the thing that just blows my mind. We can have a whole separate podcast about that. But he he gives you free will. Free will. Yep. Your parents showed you the same mercy as what God shows us every day. Every minute. And he, they said, you can go do this, or you can go do this. Yep. It's a fork in the road. You've got to decide. Do you want to live this life of super sinfulness, or do you want to be aware of your sin and try to live your life for Christ? Yep. Thank God you chose the best road. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, <laughs> Or man. we wouldn't be sitting no, here today. That's, no, I've... Just so grateful for... I'd probably be buying you a pack of cigarettes at the Stripes gas station, and we would have been praying in the parking lot. No kidding, man. <laughs> no kidding. But... Uh, just so so grateful to... Uh, and the fact that, you know, they, they did separate, and they came right back together. They realized, look, in God, we can, in, you know, in God, we can do anything. Yep. We can reconcile our differences... And we can create a relationship, a loving relationship again, surrounding the blessing and the miracle that is Jordan, and the blessing and the miracle that is God's grace to us. Like it's, it is crazy, what can happen. And for anybody listening to this podcast, if you are not a believer, really think about it. Go talk to your local, you know, church. If you don't want to talk to your local church, you are always free to reach out to me or Jordan, yeah. anybody on Facebook. We will take the time to t- set up a time and talk to you. Yep. Um, and real talk. Yeah. Not, not, I like to call it Christian fluff because there's a lot of that goes on. Yeah, no, bold, bold talk. I mean, the truth. I like to, I like to keep it real. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, but, at, you know, at the same time, for those people who don't even believe at all, I don't see how you can. Yeah. Like, the evidence is all around you. Yeah. You know, we have less than a 1% chance of even being on this microphone. Yeah. Less than 1%. Really less than one millionth of a percent chance of even being alive. Yeah. And here we are. Here we are. Like, (laughs) the, the numbers are just crazy to me. Yeah. And, again, here we are talking about it. Yeah. And we, we, you know, we named the podcast, Yeah, I'm Working On It, just because I think a disciple should always be working on something. For sure. And w- our work is never done on this earth. No. And, you know, I, I kind of get irritated when someone's like, somebody up there most like you if you come to a near-death experience. And I'm like, no, he's just telling you your work's not done. Yep. Like For sure. Your great commission has not come yet. Either I'm giving you a second chance or your work's not done. Yeah. It's not that he likes you. He loves you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's 
this is not a friendship. This this is beyond that. Yeah. Oh, much. Much beyond. Yeah. And and for some, have you ever seen Braveheart? Yeah. Okay, so you know the part where he is grown up and his wife gets killed by the English guards and or or Lord or whatever. Yeah. And he Mel Gibson bows to the to his bride's father and his and she he's so mad he's like trembling and he just wants to strangle Mel Gibson because he let his daughter die. Yeah. And like that's like the perfect representation of God and man. Oh, uh, certainly. <laughs> it's like Yeah. I gave you the most perfect gift that is of life. Yep. A f- wonderful life. And what do you do? You listen to that darn snake. You messed it all up. You messed up what I had planned for you. And here we are. Yep, here we are. And let me tell you, there's a lot of people being told, part from me. Yep. For I never knew you. Yep. And I'm like, I don't want to be one of those people. No. So I'd much rather work as hard as I can here and bet on my own internal demons. Yep. Than to be cast into the lake of fire. Yeah, certainly. Because tell me, I'm all about Texas heat. That's about as hot as I want it to be. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, any uh, any concluding thoughts, Mr. Jordan, on uh, on our discussion today? Man, uh, no. I, I'm just so thankful for you having me on, man. And uh, like I said, first first podcast and uh, Won't brother, be your last brother in Christ. No, I'm just uh, so grateful for the opportunity. Anytime, you know, we can get in the trenches, man, yeah. and. Uh, just speak truth and talk about things that matter, man. I I love it and I and I love you, man. Thank you I so much. I love you too, buddy. Yes, yeah, thank you. I've I've really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah. Again, this is not going to be your last podcast, so awesome. I think you did really well of <laughs> of the flow, and I'm I'm just going to point out you didn't make any extra sounds. You didn't bump anything. Ah, I'm I, like, this is awesome. <laughs> I don't have to edit out as much. Oh, awesome, man. Glad <laughs> so, I could help a little. But. uh <laughs> You know, guys, if you're in the Southeast Texas area, uh, go look up Jordan on Facebook. Jordan, what's your contact information for your golfing uh, tour? Yeah, and- uh, so Facebook page, uh, Fellowship Golf Tour. Um, I've got a picture of my contact information there. Uh, Jordan Soper is my name, S-O-P-E-R. Um, but just got a little business card that I, I've screenshotted a picture of and uh, so if you're definitely interested in golf, uh, be more than happy to have you uh, just come see what we're about there and uh, about to wrap up the season. Uh, but more importantly, if you don't have a church home and, and you are listening today, uh, Wayne and I would, uh, the whole church body, but we, we would love to host you uh, at First Baptist Finette and uh, just get you involved with what, what God's doing over there. Yeah, so. for sure. And we have a, you know, our church is live stream too. So yeah, absolutely. if you don't want to take that plunge and walk through the door, it's fine. Yep. Yep. That's one tool that we can say social media has brought during this time of uncertainty and COVID. Certainly. And the live stream is just abundant. Yeah. You know, watch from your couch. Watch, you know, go back and we're on YouTube. You know, just search, search you know, I think it's First Baptist Finette. Yep. Search that and you'll see all of our videos. You can even you can even recall my sermon. It was one of the first yeah. well, first ones we ever recorded. I'm going to have to recorded. go back and peek at that. Um, you can go watch that on, on parenting, but most importantly, just get engaged. Yep. It's, I will tell you, it's the hardest step to take. Yeah. But once you've taken it nine times out of 10, 
you're grateful that you did. Oh, certainly. I've seen a lot of people just go, man, this just isn't for me. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe not right now. Yep. But at least you've had exposure. And when the time is right, God will put you where you need to be. Yes, certainly. This church may not be your church. Nope. This may not be your podcast. Me and Jordan may not be your favorite people. <laughs> Definitely. But God will put the place, the time, and the people in place when it is your time to yep. come. Absolutely. Just do yourself a favor and start preparing today. Yep. That's right. Because you don't know when the end is coming. You don't know when your end is coming. It's very important to be prepared at all times. Yep. Because guess what? You don't want to be in that jail cell we call sin. It's all comfy and cozy and the door closes. Yep. So I'll leave everybody with that concluding thought. Jordan, thank you again for being on here. Thank you so much. We'll Wayne. have you again, dude. Can't yeah. wait to hear about your uh your championship coming up in a yeah, few weeks. Yeah, thank you. I'm so sorry I could not cook everybody briskets. Ah, no, you man. Maybe thank one you. day we'll get sponsorship from this. <laughs> I'll be able to buy a big trailer smoker and we there can we make go. it happen. But go. uh again guys, thank you very much. I know this was a long, deep podcast. Again, I don't like putting time limits on these things. God wants to talk. He's gonna talk through our lips. We're gonna let him talk. So yeah. um again you know, thank you very much, Jordan, for coming yeah, on. Thank Every, you, guys. Everybody else, thank you, and we will uh, we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you.